This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. We got recruiting to touch on. We got realignment talk to touch on again. Uh, and I think we're going to preview. I don't know if preview is the right word. We're going to talk about the upcoming open scrimmage at Canes Fest uh, in a way of framing it like, what we're looking for, what who we're excited to see play at the Canes Fest scrimmage for whatever reason. Uh, but first, Gabby, let's start, I guess, with some bad news. I, I don't think it was shocking or anything. Miami did make a push, did try and make things interesting at the end. But five-star edge rusher Colin Simmons out of Duncanville, Texas, the number eight overall player in the country, according to the composite, Probably, you know, arguably the twitchiest pass rusher in the country. 6'3", about 220-pound guy right now, um, but really twitched up. He has made his commitment to Texas, and so Miami's late push here comes up just short. Take us through the situation as it played out here over the past, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours, um, as far as you understood it, from a Miami perspective. Yeah, I mean, from from Miami's just point of view, I, I do think that, uh, you know, really, I, I, first off, I want to say, I think Miami's just, I think just being in in that position w- was impressive. You know, just considering just who Colin Simmons is, he's a top ranked player in Texas. Uh, for Miami to kind of have a seat at the table with LSU and and Texas, really, and for him to really strongly even consider Miami, uh, you know, just again, just the type of the profile, the player, just regional stuff and. And those types of things, I, I think Miami really did do a very good job of of just getting into this Colin Simmons sweepstakes. I mean, the first time they hosted was at the spring game, you know, got him back just one other time after that. And we're still, uh, you know, prime contenders. And again, I, you know, Jason Taylor played a huge role in this, uh, you know, multiple phone calls over the course of the week. I know they had a long one on Monday. Um, I believe they had one again on sometime Wednesday evening, maybe. And I believe they, they were still in communication even here on Thursday. Uh, that's decision day. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that, you know, I, I think Texas really just kind of, you know, always was kind of the team that I think was going to be tough to beat. I think LSU really was in there um, very strongly too, until, you know, just maybe the very end. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I think Miami gave it its its best shot, you know, coming off a five and seven season, you know, Texas program that's trending up, LSU is a program that's trending up. Again, I think for them to have a seat at the table here was, a, again, a testament to just the overall recruiting job that they've done. That's something that Steve Wiltfong has written. That's something that our Texas regional analyst, Mike Roach, wrote that the people around Simmons, their sources close to that situation just kept, you know, giving props to Miami for what they did. And again, I, I know that they kind of put it all out there uh, down this final stretch, came up short. But uh, that's recruiting. And, uh, you know, these are the type of these are the type of prospects that Miami is, this is the pond Miami wants to be fishing in. Uh, you know, th- these are just some of the situations. These are some of the things that's going to happen. So, uh, again, Miami's going to keep shooting their shot with uh, a ton of elite dudes. Colin Simmons, one of them. And you're not going to win them all. But, uh, you know, good job by those guys, uh, you know, to to make it close here at the end. Yeah, it would have been nice just from a perception standpoint for Miami to shock the world and close this one out because of. You know, the, the questions surrounding Miami's collective situation after, you know, the report with the Life Wallet investigation, et cetera. I, I will pass along that I've been told Miami's in the was in the ballpark of whatever the number Texas was. And there does still seem to be a feeling here that if Miami goes out and wins, let's say nine-ish games, they can be in this still when things are officially official in December in the early signing period. So they, they still feel like they're going to chop wood here. And if they win enough, they feel like they can potentially pull off a flip here. So just file that away and, and let's see how the season plays out in terms of this recruitment. In some ways, Gabby, just to build on that point, I mean, look, they're different players, different situations in terms of one guy's a local guy, one guy's an out-of-state guy, but it does remind me a little bit in terms of the late push with the Shamar Stewart recruitment a um, couple cycles back. To me, the diff, you know, the back and forth nature of it with Miami and a Texas school, also LSU in there as well uh, with Colin Simmons. But to me, the, the difference with the Shamar Stewart situation was Miami just kind of ran out of runway, right? That decision was made on signing day and it was final. This one still has some runway left. Granted, Miami has to give him a reason to come in terms of winning on the field this year, showing progress. Uh, But I I would not rule this one 100% over. Um, But Gabby, we know Miami's goal this year was to sign the best defensive line class in the country. They have a strong start. I don't think they're finished yet. but have you heard any buzz regarding anyone else they're chasing now that Colin Simmons, for now at least, is penciled in with a different program? Yeah, I mean, one name I'm definitely keeping a close eye on right now is uh, Michigan commit uh, Ellis Ro- uh, Elias Rudolph uh, came down to Miami that Saturday of the barbecue and spent really the whole day around the program. Uh, I, again, I think even going back to his commitment date, Miami made a very, very late push there. And again, everyone kind of penciled him in, uh, to Michigan's class. And that's obviously what happened. But I think Miami, again, has just kind of continued, you know, chopping wood there. I think it was good to get him back, get him working with coach Jason Taylor and kind of seeing how those two kind of mesh together. And I, you know, I, I think after that, it was kind of like a confirmation of the type of player that they kind of thought he was. And, uh, you know, I know Miami's been pushing really, really hard since, uh, you know, again, getting them in that last week, that last weekend uh, before the dead period. So um, Elias Rudolph uh, back home at Cincinnati Taft, uh, obviously, you know, back in his kind of Midwestern 
um, you know, kind of place. Uh, he spent a semester at Deerfield Beach here in Broward County, which I think gave Miami the ability to kind of identify him and and get and put him on the radar uh, when Jason Taylor went to go watch him in that spring, you know, showcase jamboree that they did uh, up there. And uh, I, I think that's probably the one uh, I may be watching closest right now. You know, Kamari and Franklin, the five-star out of Mississippi, is another one Miami continues to chase. I think that there's optimism that he's going to come back down to check out Miami uh, when they host Texas A&M uh, week two. So, uh, you know, I don't think that that's all, like, ironed out. And, you know, again, like, fights are booked or anything like that. But I know that that's a – I know that they've had those discussions, and that's a date that Kamari and, you know, Franklin would like to get back down, check out a – game day atmosphere of course that would be a great one so you know i think that again like we mentioned about runway i think that there's still even runway for miami to kind of accomplish that goal i mean is it kind of getting tighter yeah i mean i think at the very least miami's still in position to sign a very very strong uh defensive line class but of course you got to start you know stacking up some wins on the recruiting trail which i think they can do if they're able to you know especially establish themselves early here early on in the fall yeah, one thing I'll never do is doubt a Mario Cristobal staff in terms of being able to land a good recruiting class in general. And if they're hyper-focused on landing a good defensive line class, they're going to do it. What does that class look like? That's where, for me, things get murky. But in terms of like doubting uh, the, ability to, the ability to land a very good defensive line class, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of who is a part of that class uh, because... The way Mario Cristobal operates, uh, he doesn't drop his expectations or standard, I guess I should say, uh, in terms of I miss a recruit, I'm going to go down to plan C. When he misses a recruit, he's still going to recruit an elite player. Uh, it's kind of like a next man up mentality. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Starr is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Starr knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Starr directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke.
I want to get into the latest realignment talk. And again, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. So this stuff can change by the day. And when things really start ramping up, it changes by the hour. Um, I don't know if we're there yet right now with the ACC and this latest realignment talk. But Gabby, the latest buzz is that Stanford, Cal, and SMU are being explored as additions to the ACC. The latest is it sounds like it's it's going to be tough for that to go through, tough to happen. I think they need 12 of the 15 votes. Interestingly, Notre Dame, even though they are not a full member of the ACC, has a vote. Um, and they are pushing on the ACC to add Stanford and Cal, which, of course, does not land well with a lot of ACC leadership because uh, Notre Dame has no room to push on anything if they're not a part of the conference. Um, but I'm just curious, Gabby, how do you digest that? Like, what what do you make of that potential addition, you know, those three additions? Let's say Stanford, Cal, SMU. Um, what is what would those additions mean to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's just it just sounds weird. But I mean, again, we're in this. I, I just don't even know what direction that this thing is going in. So it's just like, is that weird? Because like, I mean, US, yeah. all these schools are going to the Big Ten. Like, just just the, geographically, does it even matter what makes sense and what doesn't anymore? Um, I think Stanford would be kind of cool, right? Like, I feel like Stanford's kind of like that school that, like, I don't really want Stanford to be on like on like the outside looking in on this. Like, they they were a respect. They had like an era, you know, where they were a very respectable like football program. And you know, like, you know, I think that they could be a good, you know, potential addition to a conference. Like, may I don't know the ACC, maybe. Uh, you know, they they occasionally recruit pretty well. Um, you know, they have a pretty good recruiting class this year. Like, it's not like, like, it's not like they're just like not getting talent. They just have extremely high standards. Um, SMU to me is super interesting just because of like the Dallas thing and just like the region, like, you know, the area and how that program can kind of be uplifted. I mean, I've read the reports that they're willing to give up like five years of distribution and they have like $200 million worth of donors of money donors are willing to give them to kind of offset the lack of distribute of conference distribution to get into the ACC. Like sounds like SMU's football program is kind of just like all in, um, which, Hey, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of here for that. Uh, the Cal thing to me is just maybe still a little weird. Like, I don't know about Cal, but I think I can be okay maybe with Stanford and SMU, but if Cal's like the third straggler there, like, I mean, whatever, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't really know how I feel about it totally. It's just like, this is just strange. Like, it just feels weird. Yeah. But in I terms guess I, of in terms of like moving the needle from a revenue standpoint, it doesn't. I don't think it. Oh no, do it doesn't. I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I don't think it would be a revenue move, right? It would just be like, hey, let's like not leave these guys out to dry. It. I don't know if it's even necessarily that. I think it's more so just kind of a safety measure of having your ducks in a row maybe of because you know I think it's fair to say right now when you talk about the potential ACC defectors in terms of the people that the 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 programs that would do it sooner rather than later Florida State of course has been very vocal so they're number one Clemson's probably number two if Florida State left Clemson would be right there behind them so it's it's believed that those two are, are at the highest uh, probability of leaving sooner rather than later. 
And then the, the third school that's rumored in this regard is North Carolina. So I do find it interesting that the potential is there. Let's just say hypothetically, FSU, Clemson, and North Carolina tell the ACC by that August 15th deadline, hey, we're out. The ACC has that potential, boom, to go make a three-for-three three swap. Now, would it be a good trade or a good swap? That would be they, a very imbalanced trade. From a number standpoint, that's where it has piqued my interest a little bit, you know, the three-for-three three thing. Um, or even if it's a two-for-three, it's it's an interesting numbers game, I guess is the best way to say it. But does it fix the ACC? Absolutely not. Doesn't change anything from a revenue standpoint. Um, but one thing, Gabby, I just want to explore with you is a hypothetical of what would be the best path for Miami in a hypo- hypothetical situation of, let's say... That does happen. Let's say Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina tell the ACC by the August 15th deadline, hey, we're out for next year. We're going to land somewhere else. We're going to challenge your grant of rights, but we're out. And then let's say the ACC then adds Stanford, Cal, and SMU. So the numbers don't change in the ACC. It would still be, what, 14 teams, I think. Um, and so what what would that mean for Miami? And the discussion I want to have is like, what would be the best path for Miami if that scenario does present itself? Because I do think it's a little bit more of a fork in the road situation and a little bit more of a more of a scenario that has pros and cons to it that I think is a tougher decision than maybe we give it credit for because we get so caught up in the whole, oh, they have to get out of the ACC immediately. But let's have a discussion if that's necessarily the case. So in this scenario, let's say scenario one, right? So Miami stays put in the ACC with FSU, Clemson, and North Carolina out. Um, And then the thinking then would be, okay, there's no reason for us to not be the top dog in the ACC, the best program in the conference. Miami would be building their way up to that point, right? It would be an easier path to the college football playoff. Uh, I believe with the new structure of revenue payouts, there the potential would be there. Uh, if you do make the CFP, the payout is even greater because the ACC seems willing to award teams that make the CFP to give them more of that CFP payout. Um, so the revenue would be a little more improved. Um, again, I think the potential is there to help level up the program in terms of wins and losses and perception. Um, the stability aspect might potentially be there in terms of stacking, uh, performance, high performance seasons on top of each other for a few years, but really, you know, what I like about this potential scenario would be. I feel like it would put the onus on the whole university or the whole athletic department to go all in on winning. Um, It would put pressure on everybody in the building to go win. Uh, Because I think, number one, your revenue would be tied to it. Number two, your attractiveness of 
you know, eventually Miami's going to want to get out of the ACC. And so I think you become more attractive, of course, when you are winning the ACC and potentially being a college football playoff team. And so you have to win to do that. Um, and so I like that idea of kind of leaning into the meritocracy of that for a few years. Um, again, you reach the college football playoff, you get more money. Um, and I, I also think, too, a pro with this scenario would be you let FSU, you let Clemson, potentially you, North Carolina, if they want to be one of the first ones over the wall, to take all the lumps in the court mess and litigation mess that is going to come with leaving the ACC. Um, and look, Miami's trying to build a 200 to $300 million building. And, you know, I'm not so sure that even more money can be devoted towards number one, getting out of the ACC, which is $120 million. And then on top of that, you have to fight the grant of rights battle in courts, which is going to be millions upon millions of more dollars. Um, so those would be the pros. The cons of sticking around in the ACC for a few years would be, Again, the, the ACC is just an uncertain, it's, it's an uncertain situation. Um, it's quickly becoming the fourth conference, if not already there. I mean, from a revenue standpoint, I'd argue it is when you factor in the contracts uh, and the lengths of all the other con conferences. Negative recruiting would definitely be an aspect if Miami stuck around in the ACC. In a weird way, the dollars and cents of conference media deals is becoming like a part of recruiting pitches. Um, and again, it's easy to make the point too to a recruit, hey, come play against the best, be in a serious conference. You know, that that's an easy case to make against the ACC. Um, another con is quite frankly, you know, Miami hasn't gotten their act together yet in the ACC to this point. So what, you know, why would be why would we be so confident that, hey, Miami with FSU, Clemson, and North Carolina out would definitely level up and be the um, powerhouse program of the ACC if that were to happen. Um, and again, another con too is, look, if FSU, Clemson, maybe North Carolina are able to navigate the grant of rights issue smoothly, then it would be a, a pretty big missed opportunity. So I'm curious, Gabby, like, how does this scenario hit you? And again, I'm not like advocating for Miami sticking around in the ACC till 2036. That is not doable. But where I'm, where, what I'm presenting is, could it potentially be okay for Miami? Like, okay. I'm not saying better or worse, but okay. If they stuck around for three more years, leveled up their program, improved their results, became a CFP team with an easier path to the CFP, of course. Um, and then, hypothetically, would be more attractive to jump ship to a one of the big two conferences, SEC or Big Ten. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a lot there and obviously a lot of different ways to attack it. 
But I think just for me personally, I'm kind of viewing it from the point of if it's three years, like if you're telling me, right. okay, from this, from 2022 to let's say 2025, 2026, Miami's going to be in the AC and then it's like, boom out. Then yeah, I think I could maybe get on board with, Hey, stick it out for a couple years, you know, win the conference, you know, you, we, we were talking about, you know, CFP and the, the ability to get in there. Obviously it's, it's going to expand to 12. So I think you, you definitely put yourself in. And if it's at four, I'm saying, oh, I don't even think Miami's going to have a shot. Like even if they right. ran the table, like they probably probably like, you know, in an, in a reduced ACC without those right. schools, I think Miami would be viewed as like, almost like a group of five conference or like the ACC would Agreed. be, it's going to be viewed like an, like a group of five conference where it's just like, even the champion of that is not going to be able to just be a lock for a CFP spot. Like regardless of what the situation is, maybe you get one weird situation like Cincinnati where they beat a couple power five programs that they got in all that stuff. Like Miami would have to beat someone really good along the way to get into that conversation. But at 12, yeah, you probably put yourself in a position where you're a top 12, um, you know, program, you know, for those years, and then you have to level up. But I think, again, you, you talk about like, even just the impact on the recruiting trail. And like, that's obviously kind of like how I'm wired these days. And like, I'm even looking at like the Colin Simmons situation. Like I think the fact that Miami's not in the sec, played a role in this because yeah. I think there's players that just want to play in that conference. And I think with Mario Cristobal, maybe he'll be able to, 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 you know, deflect that in certain ways, just because he is such a strong recruiter. But I think once that happens, and if Miami's on the outside looking in of that whole situation, again, rem like, considering the fact that USC and UCLA made the move that Oregon, Washington made the move. And now it's Florida state, Clemson, North Carolina, making move. A lot of these teams are making moves like this, getting into, you know, these proper positions and Miami's still on the outside of that. I think that that's going to be a way for schools to just attack Miami. Be like, like Miami's not even yes. in one of these premier conferences. You're not going to play against, you know, serious competition. And in fact, like even the previous eight, like the, the current ACC is being like negatively recruited against, right. Yes. Already has, a, a, not a negative, you know, it's still a power five conference, but like if you're a serious big time recruit and you're considering playing in the S the ACC, the SEC schools are telling you like SEC is the place to play. So imagine an even further diluted ACC would just be like you, there's no way that you're seriously going to go choose to play in that. So I think that's something that Miami would really, really have to battle. I think it's something that they're currently battling with all this conference realignment and, and things like that. And I think it's something that they're just, just they're going to have to continue to battle against. So that would be my argument against it. Like, you know, I just think that you got to get out as soon as you can get out, especially if it's if it's North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson getting out, I think Miami needs to find a way to be a part of that next. If there's a pack that leaves the ACC, I think Miami needs to find a way to be a part of that. And again, I don't know the logistics of this. Like, I know you're way more in tune to this than I am, David. But I, I mean, just from like an outsider, I mean, an outsider as in just not having a lot of information of how all this stuff even really works or like the logistics, again, the logistics behind all of this. Like, I feel like Miami would be left behind in certain, in some ways and a few important yeah. ways if they're not able to get this done. And I understand everything too of just like Miami's trying to get this facility. That's really expensive. And, you know, that's, I think, priority number one. So let me ask you this. Would you be... If you had to sacri if you had to put that on pause, I'm just I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. I'm not yeah. even saying like this is a real scenario and this is I'm not even saying this is real. But let's say you had to choose either or. Like, okay, if we're really gonna get out of the ACC, we have to put this new building on pause for five years. I'm about to say how long are we talking? I think five let's, years would be let's a, say would be five a while. years. But how 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 long are we waiting now? Like how long are we already gonna have to wait? Like what what are we talking what what what's even the timeline right now? I think they want to break ground within the next, I don't know, 12 months to 18 months. 
Yeah. So what? So groundbreaking would be in let's say it's 2024. We're talking 2024. So groundbreaking would be 2026, maybe to get the building or 2027, maybe even further than that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, where would you rather put your money right now? I just think right now with the way everything's going, honestly, I mean, I I think that Miami can still. It's not like I would. I mean, I think I would honestly rather get into a premier conference. And I don't know, maybe that's naive. I, I'm not sure, but no, I feel I don't like think there's a right or wrong answer. Because if you ha- if you have a sick facility, but you're kind of on the back burner in the in like just within the landscape of college football, I mean, does it really matter? Because I don't think that facility is gonna is gonna help you get. I mean, I think it's gonna be a more attractive you know, environment or just a more comfortable, more appealing environment for your, for, for, for athletes and things like that. But if you're, if you're just kind of just in a, if it's it's like, that's like saying, I mean, really, I think it puts Miami in like a group of five situation. So it's like, if you're a group of five school, but you have the sickest facilities in the group of five, you know, how much better does that make you? Miami will never be like considered one of those programs unless it gets like, you know, really, really bad for whatever reason. But I still think the, I, I think, Again, just with the way everything's changing, and again, if we're talking about three schools leaving the ACC, I would rather Miami be a part of that group leaving the ACC, and you figure everything else out after. Because I think if you leave the ACC, you're putting yourself in a position where the, you know your program is going to make more money anyways. Hopefully, maybe you can get back up to. And again, if you find success on the field, they build this thing up, they get out of a conference, they find some success on the field. I think just the amount of money you're going to be generating to potentially even move up that timeline of the building from five years. And if you can get that down to two or three years, which again, I know is a lot, but I just think right now for me, the priority would just be not getting left behind because I think if Miami gets left behind, how, how quickly are they going to be able to take that leap? Like how quickly are they going to be able to go to, we got left behind in the ACC or, and all these things. And, but now we got to get in, like, what does that transition look like? Cause I feel like that just creates a whole other set of uncertainty. So for me personally, I would rather, I mean, Miami's Miami. They're, they have the right people in place to recruit, to acquire talent, regardless of the facilities and those things. I would rather them be in the best possible position to compete for that talent and just get to where you need to get to. And the facility stuff, I think it will take care of itself. Would you be, do you view it as like left behind if you have, if you stay in the ACC? Again, Florida State, Clemson, let's just say, let's throw North Carolina in the hat too are out and let's say the ACC retains its, its automatic college or whatever has a path to the college football playoff. Like it's not a group of five. I understand what the perception would be like. It's a lesser conference than the big 10 or SEC, no doubt about it, but it would still have a path to the playoff. Is that being left behind to you? Is it solely about dollars and cents? No, I mean, again, results. Yeah, but I I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying before. Like, what if? Like, what if Miami's still like? I mean, Miami's again never. I feel like even with the 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 pool of, um, the pool of of programs that are going to be left, like Miami's still struggled against that pool yeah. too. Like, you know, like you still have to, and it's. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to get past NC State, and you're gonna have to get past Pitt, and you're gonna have to get past you know schools that you. So then, lost my question, to. my question with that would be. Would it be too much? Like, again, I think these guys can win eventually in time. Yeah. But it's a it's a harder lift if you snap your fingers and move right away to the Big yeah. Ten or the SEC right now, right? Like, again, they moved to the ACC and have struggled in mediocrity in this conference, sure. which is harder than the Big East was. 
but it's not like some crazy hard conference. To me, that's one, that's, this is one element of realignment that like, isn't necessarily talked about a bunch where it's like, again, I understand why teams do it from a revenue standpoint. Uh, but like Oregon is going, it's going to be much harder to win in the big 10. Oklahoma, I think is going to have a much harder time winning in the SEC. I, you know, Texas has struggled for a decade now, you know, I think Sark's doing a good job, but it's going to be much harder winning in the SEC. Like I get why you do it. Um, it's just for me, like, I don't know, like maybe I'm crazy, but I think there, I think there's a case for trying to have stability in improving the results at Miami before you make that leap. And if FSU, Clemson, and North Carolina want to bail, I think that makes that easier to happen. Yeah, and I, 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 I get that. I get like the whole. And maybe that's a loser mentality. I'll no, it's that, it's. But. I mean. I, I I just think there's I just don't think there's a perfect like solution, you know. Like I I think there's obviously like when you're that's what I'm the, getting at the pro the pros and cons of both. I mean there is, and again, if Miami's the premier, let's say Miami is the premier team in the ACC, like I think they're still going to be they're always going to be a top twelve program. Like I think they'll always have they'll have an opportunity to be CFP contenders, which which bottom line is makes I mean it makes the brand it keeps the brand big keeps it attractive. And again, maybe it does continue to maybe open the door down the line to get into one of those premier conferences, whenever that case is. And again, I think that's the argument on both. Like, like you can be the big dog of your conference. And now with this expanded playoffs, still have a seat at the table, but again, and then if and it's true, you can go, we, Miami can go to the big 10 and then you can just not, you can just not be where you need to be as a program. And you could struggle in that conference too. Like, uh, but you'll make money, you know, it's just but that, yeah. you know, it's it, I just think it's I don't think it's as cut and dry, maybe yeah. as it's made I, out to be for sure. No. And I'm, I'm, I think for where I'm coming from is just like, which like, where are you going to be? That's going to allow that's going to put your program in the best position to level up, like level up the, the like the talent on the roster level up in because even that's like where it, I'm getting at, because like, yeah. believe me, I am not advocating for Miami to stay in the ACC even to like 2028. Like I don't, Miami has Miami should not be in the ACC longer than that. So don't like, I'm not like saying that I'm not saying like Miami needs to be an ACC lifer. I'm just saying like, would it necessarily be so bad for Miami to stick it out? If again, I, I don't even know if Florida State and Clemson even have the ability to leave this year, uh, but let's say they do. Would it be the worst thing? Cause I feel like there'd be this FOMO, like, you know, fear of missing out element of like, oh no, Florida State's out. We're screwed. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not so sure that would be the case in the immediate future of let's say three years. Yeah. No, and I and I get that. And I I and when I just when it comes to that, like I, I get the FOMO stuff. And I just think even just like I don't know, I was just, I'm thinking from like just recruiting stuff. Like now you have Florida State who's able who's just kind of telling coming down South Florida, telling recruits like, oh, we're in whatever, let's say the SEC and Miami's gonna be you, you want to go play in the SEC here at Florida State, or you want to play, you know, in this watered down ACC that we piece that we were able to get out no of. Doubt. No and doubt. I I think it just makes it more challenging for Miami to Again, I don't know. And again, you got Mario here. But I mean, if they I think... win, 
right? Yeah. And that's the But I still think that there would be a buffer. Like, I think that there would be like a cycle where we would just be like, Miami's kind of like, we don't even really know what's going on there. Maybe they go, they win the, they win the new look ACC. They play in the CFP and maybe you pick it back up. But I do right. think that there would be a time where it's just like, almost like now, almost like this five and seven thing, like after this five and seven season, I feel like Miami's kind of in a buffer mode right now. Like, are you guys going to kind of play well? Or, you know, are we ready to buy in yet? It's like, we want to buy in, but we can't. So play you know we're gonna go play at other schools or make commitments to other schools maybe we'll see how you guys play this fall and maybe i'll reconsider like i still think that i think miami would be in another state like that where it's just like i don't know how to feel about this right now because so much is changing and uh is miami in a right in the right spot are they not and then they would i think they would if they do this they would like it would be like you have to have to have to win the ac like you have to be the top and that's what i like about it i like that there would be a lot like of pre- it pressure. It would like, yeah, it would be. I think it'd be more pressure, honestly. Like than everyone would be now. all in. Yeah, you would have, would to, have you, to be. It would have to be like we are. Like we have to be like undoubtedly the best school in the ACC. Like we have to. Like, yes. Like there would be no if ands or buts. If you didn't, I think it could be potentially detrimental. Like if you continue yes. to struggle, I think it could be like really, really bad. Like it would be risky. I think you know in some ways, but again, it's how confident are you that you're going to get this thing wrong. And I think even like, I mean, we've got to think about the transfer market too. Like if you're, if you're, if you're in the market for top transfers, like I get like, you know, there's eight, like sec guys are leaving to I know, whatever, like it's, it's all, they've all kind of spread out and people have gotten theirs, but like, isn't this where NIL plays a case too? Like then yeah. it's just, you got to just pay 10% more in the NIL market is how yeah. I view it. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a case of that. Or it's just like, are people just gonna be like, Hey, I just, you know, honestly, would rather play in this massive big yeah. 10 or this massive sec that will happen. like yeah. i i think that you set yourself back in some other places like that but i'm just thinking from like a talent acquisition standpoint and if they again if they get it done if they do well i wouldn't be worried about it you know i, th- I still think people would want to come to miami and and know that they're going to get an opportunity to play in the playoff and you know and again miami gets into a playoff as an acc team and you know you, you win a game you win a game you win a game or two you know get you get to a quarterfinal or you know, semifinal or whatever right. the case is. That's like, what I'm you know, saying. you put yourself in a you know great position where it's like it doesn't matter what conference you're playing in. We're still an awesome program. We're still building this thing up. But it would have to, I think it would have to, it wouldn't be until Miami got to that point where people would be like, okay. Like I think there would be a lot of hesitation until they got to that point. And that's where I feel like it's kind of risky as well. Is it more last thing? Is it more likely that they get to that point leaving immediately for the Big Ten with where they're at now or sticking it out in the ACC for a few years and building it up in the ACC. No, I mean, I think it would definitely be easier to get there uh, if you stuck around in the ACC and all that stuff. But it, I think on the flip side is I think Miami would also be more attractive to come play for if you knew that they were playing in one of these premier conferences. Sure. So yeah, maybe you'd go through a little bit more lumps on the field, but I think the, I think the overall talent and quality of player that you'd be able to attract more consistently would help you get to a place where in one of these conferences, you can build this program up to be a sustained, like, you know, consistent winner. And maybe, you know, I'm not saying you win the big 10 every year, whatever the case is, but I think that you don't take that recruiting lump. I think maybe you even get a little bit of juice because it's like, okay, now you're Miami and now you're playing in one of these big conferences. I think they're already on the cusp of like being able to land a ton of big dudes. And now if you're telling me Miami is going to go play Ohio state and go play Penn state and I mean, shoot uh, Oregon and, and, uh, you know, what if and you lose USC. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I just think that there's naturally going to be lumps and I, I think, I think there would probably be lumps and I think it would all be new and it'd be difficult, but I think just the idea that you're going to be playing in those types of games, I still think you're putting your roster. I think you'd be able to put your, you'd be able to construct your roster in a way where, you know, it's built for that instead of just maybe kind of getting maybe a little bit more fringe guys, or maybe not as much as many guys, but you're still, you know, get you're you're still like in the in a place where you have to kind of just still go figure it out, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a lot here in this conversation. I just think it's interesting, and I think just from where Miami's at with their program right now, and again, I think everyone in the program would admit we are still building. Um, I think it's just an interesting conversation. I honestly don't know where I stand on this. Like, what would be best for Miami? I think. Either one of these scenarios would be fine. Um, I guess my main point is I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world if Miami gets left behind in the ACC, left behind by, you know, Clemson and Florida State. I I view that almost as like there's an opportunity there, so go get it. Um, but again, if if Miami jumped to the Big Ten or the SEC, that would be awesome too. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll get into some what we want to see at Miami scrimmage during Kane's Fest. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Gabby. I kind of like that Mario Cristobal is opening up the scrimmage to fans. He said, again, they didn't do this last year. But he said this is a thing that they do, like as a like he likes doing this. I assume he did it at Oregon. Um, it is very rare for a coach to open things up like this uh, during fall camp. Um, but I like that he did it because look, he he admitted too. He's like, look, at this point in camp, it's pretty much just basic stuff we're running that anyone can see if they watch film, you know, watch Marshall film or watch Houston film. Um, so you know, they're not going to see anything crazy at the scrimmage. It's mainly about go to me, going out and performing, winning your one-on-ones if you're a player and also producing in front of fans, you know, fans bring a little bit of extra juice, bring a little bit of extra pressure to a scrimmage. And so I like that he's kind of throwing them in this environment. And so let's talk just, and let's go by position by position and let's just name a player and, you know, why we're excited to see this player, what we want to see of this player, why we feel like this is an important player to highlight at this position group. So let's start quarterback. You know, we got three guys to pick from here. Who are you going with? I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with 
the starter. I'm going to go with Tyler sure. Van Dyke. Um, you know, I, I think I think we need to see. I, I think it would be very encouraging to see him, uh, you know, perform. You know, obviously in this type of environment. Again, we're we we've been very limited in what we've been able to see. You know, I think he had a a, a solid spring game. Uh, I would like to see just the, the you know the progressions. Um, I'd like to see how comfortable he is. You know, kind of throwing that that long that long ball. I'd like to see him. You know, just. I, I would, I'm hoping to see a confident Tyler Van Dyke that, uh, you know, kind of, you know, that kind of runs the offense and, uh, you know, just continues to instill confidence. And so, you know, maybe why this is going to be a, a stronger 2023 season for Miami. So uh, I, I, Tyler, everything runs through Tyler Van Dyke. I think he, it's going to, I think Miami's offense goes as far as he, as he kind of takes them. And, um, you know, so I'm excited to watch, uh, you know, QB one kind of go after it, get after it. Yeah. Basically, it needs to look like 2021 Tyler that we saw in that yep. last half of that season. And again, like, baller's ball, right? And so, like, with Tyler, like, we know he's a good player. We just got to see it come back around. And, like, it needs to be one of those situations, Gabby, where, like, it's obvious. Like, we don't want to have to be squinting and, like, ah, I could kind of see it. Like, I see glimpses of Tyler from 2021. Like, I, I want to see it, obviously, that, okay. He's good to go in this offense. He's going to go produce. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing Jakari Brown, obviously yeah. going to, you know, going to be QB two this year. And to me, you know, he's getting a lot of praise for, for the job he's doing uh, working in the pocket, which is kind of the next step for his development. Gabby, we saw him in a spring practice and he looked good in that spring practice. Um, very promising in that practice. Then a uh, couple couple practices later a couple days later it was the spring game and admittedly you know look things are vanilla in the spring game uh but admittedly his performance was pretty vanilla and so you know we just got it this is another checkpoint another opportunity to see jakari play and, and go perform and so i just want to see him take that next step and yeah. you know look i've heard i've heard that he's looked pretty good throwing from the pocket in camp uh you know there's of course still areas to improve with him uh, but I do think he's taking those steps. And so we just got to see it. Yeah. I think with, I think with Jakari, uh, you know, I don't know how much we're going to see of him in, in 2023. So I think this would be like a little snapshot, you know, it, like onto the improvement. I think this is probably, you know, the most we're going to see him like throw it around all those things. Like, I think the the hope is that he's able to kind of retain that red shirt. Right. Is that still the case, David? Like that's still hope, like the, um, the hopeful plan I, maybe. Yes. Yes. I think, I think we will see him in four games. Yeah. So take that however you want to take that. But I do think the hope is that he retains his red shirt. Yeah. So, I mean, in what ways are we going to see Jakari? You know, so I think that this will be an opportunity for him to kind of showcase how far he's kind of, you know, continue to grow as a passer. So uh, I think it's going to be big for for him, you know, just to be able to kind of go out there and see what, what he can do and shoot. I mean, Emery too, um, you know, with both those guys obviously returning in 2024 and, you know, potentially one of them, you know, being Miami starter a year from now, uh, I think it'll be good to see both those guys kind of out there too and see how they're, how they're kind of, how comfort, I mean, Emery got here in, in January, so he's been around for a minute and has yeah. learned the offense at the same pace as Tyler and Jakari. Uh, Smooth so, the ball, you know. Yeah, for sure. Smooth the ball. Uh, running back, AJ Allens, who I want to see straight up, haven't seen him yet, right? For he's sure. a Nebraska transfer, so I haven't seen him in, in person in terms of like real football setting. Um, Internally, they're very excited about him. Definitely. Just from what we can see, though, 
The only thing that stands out about him is he's the smallest back. He mm-hmm. might be like the fastest back outside of Chris Johnson. Uh, but really, you know, just want to see, like, does he have that twitch? Does he have that contact balance? Uh, how is his vision? So he's a guy I'm interested in seeing kind of for the first time in a real football setting. Yeah, definitely. AJ Allen, Mark Fletcher, too. You know, I really want to see how the freshman, you know, performs. Uh, you know, people are really high on him. So I think both I mean, both those guys are, you know, really excited to see both of them. But Fletcher uh, is definitely another I, I can't wait to kind of get eyes on. Allen, I think. After one week, he moved up to RB2 already, yep. so he's he's working his way up the depth chart here. Um, and this will be an opportunity for him to potentially be RB1 if he goes out and balls out in the scrimmage. Wide receiver, I'll give you first crack. Yeah, no, for me, I think I want to I want to see Tyler Harrell. I'm really excited about him. Um, you know, he's, he's the deep ball threat. He's the speedster on the outside. Uh, he's the guy that I kind of want to see. Uh, I kind of want to see it in person. You know, I didn't get to watch him in high school. Uh, you know, obviously I've seen the highlights of what he did at Louisville and things like that. And, and all the great things I've heard, you know, heard he made a big play, um, on Wednesday during that practice. That was really, really nice. Uh, so I'm hoping we see a big play from Tyler Harrell. Cause I think that'd be really, I, w- I would just feel better, uh, you know, just about the, the, that, that, that facet of the offense and that, and that explosive element that I think we need to see. Got to feel his speed. Miami was awful in the explosive play category last year. He is a player that could change that. I want to see Colby Young. I, I And really what I want to get a gauge on is, is he really like a wide receiver one at this college level? Uh, I think that potential's there. He flashed it even a little bit in you know a three-game stretch last year. I want to see him make those type of plays here in the scrimmage. Tight end. Uh, you know, quite frankly, Gabby, we don't know who's going to play. We don't know who's uh, going to play. They're kind of banged up. They're a banged up group yeah. right now. Um, Elijah Arroyo dealing with his knee, knee stuff still. Um, I don't think it's anything serious, but he's just not back back. Uh, Riley Williams has been banged up a little bit. We'll see if he's available. Um, so. Honestly, I think the way to spin this, uh, you know, without knowing who's going to be available to play, Jaleel Skinner, what do you do with this opportunity? Yeah. If you are tight end one on this day, you got to go out and perform. Uh, this is a huge opportunity if that's the case. Um, so go make plays, you know, don't don't be a disappointment. Yeah, Jaleel Skinner, I think there's a huge opportunity for him on Saturday. Uh, I think, again, just what he's able to do, like, again, I, I think we hear about the Jaleel Skinner good days and then maybe some of the off days. I think hope that Jaleel Skinner has a good day on Saturday. I'm also curious just to see Cam McCormick, like just how he impacts the run yeah, game. He's you know, I, I think I I mean, I don't I'm not gonna, I'm not expecting him to, you know, catch six balls for, you know, 97 right. yards or anything like that. But, you know, curious to see how how he kind of seal helps kind of see the yeah, seal the yeah. edge how he maybe helps in red zone if he's someone that's going to be a go-to in that sort of part of the game. Because I do think he's a good, you know, seven yards on the, you know, I think he can be a red zone, like, you know, stand in, you know, catch the ball in, you know, pay dirt, make some of those types of plays. Um, But I want to see how physical he is, how how much he can, again, help kind of seal the edge and, uh, you know, maybe help those backs uh, get free. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel 
one, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Offensive line, what are you looking for? Man, I'm hearing some. I, I mean, just talk. I was talking to someone earlier today, uh, here on Thursday. Uh-oh, just that's watched a couple practices. Uh, juicy, juicy, juicy stuff. This is juicy stuff. No, I mean, has been out to a couple practices. Uh, they ran me their top 10 players that they've watched so far, you know, after okay. being out there a few times. JV and, Cohen, JV and Cohen was number one. He said that JV and Cohen oh, wow. is just different. Uh, you know, the way that he's been kind of just going about things and, you know, just kind of his body type, the way he moves, the way he's been performing. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, again, we haven't, we, we, we haven't gotten a ton of exposure to Javion Cohen just because he didn't play in that spring game. Right. Um, you know, we don't get to watch a ton of just, you know, you know, thumping and thudding all that stuff, uh, or, right. uh, you know, when bullets are flying. So I'm, I'm very curious to see if the, the Javion Cohen, um, buzz that I'm getting is, is legitimate. Uh, I'm sure it is, you know, it's coming from someone that's watched plenty of college football from the sidelines and things like that. So someone who that's would good. know, um, you know, so I, I'm very, I'm very curious to watch so JV, JV at number one, huh? Can JV I ask number you one. who he had number two? Yeah. Let me, let me, let me scroll through my messages really so quick. I'll talk about mine. So for me, it's Jalen rivers, just, you know, want to get that glimpse of him at yeah. left tackle in a game setting, you know, can he get it done? Uh, I think the spring game was kind of like an up and down performance, but he's, he's reshaped his body a little bit since then and worked to improve his quickness and athleticism yeah. a little bit. So just want to see him in another setting at left tackle. Can he get it done? I also think it's worth mentioning like second team O-line, just what's it look like? Right. Yeah. Are they dependable guys? Um, particularly center, you know, um, let me ask you this before we get into who's number two on that list or whatever, if you were going to go on a, if you were going to say next man up at center and let's just say 
it's about getting the five best on the field. Who would you go with? Man, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Uh, bro, do you put do you kick Jalen Rivers to center? I wouldn't be against that. I also wouldn't be against your boy Javion just because he's a veteran guy, right? Yeah. I, you know, he's an intelligent guy. Both Jalen and Javion, smart guys. They've talked about Jalen playing center, right? Like they talked about how he's handled cross snaps. Like, him, a yeah, little he's cross-trained him. A little you know, bit. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I would, I mean, I guess you get one of those guys. I mean, I think you might have to kick. I mean, you'd probably kick Javion to center. Um, maybe. I would prefer that. I guess what I'm saying is I would prefer that. Yeah. Than like. Luke yes. Cristobal right. or Jonathan uh, Dennis. John Dennis. And yeah. I think it's fine because I think even if you do that, you could maybe even kick um, – you could probably even kick Jalen Rivers just to guard. Like you could probably kick Jalen Rivers to guard. You could. And maybe you just throw Samson Akinlola into the fire. Yeah. Or you move Francis to the left side. Like I don't know. I feel like there's a couple different ways that you can kind of go right. about that. But right. I think if it's about getting the best five, you got to put – I think you got to put Rivers or – I think you got to put Rivers or Cohen uh, at yeah. center, which honestly might not be – like I, I bet that that's something that's maybe being accounted for. I don't know, but I would bet that they were not trying to experiment much further than, you know, what they kind of have to. I time. would think so. Like, I mean, of course, let's like, this is a disaster scenario. We right. probably shouldn't even bring this up. But we're like, just scaring people right now. <laughs> if Matt Lee gets hurt in a game, I would assume in that game that he right. gets hurt, yeah. it would be the backup center. Definitely. But then, the and then they would get game, some, they would get someone ready for the next game. So number two on that list, who is Cameron Kitchens, which is, okay. I mean, should have been good. It's yeah. expected. Okay. Yeah. We can go, we can go through it if you want, or I can write about it. Let's maybe. go rattle it out. Rattle it. All right. JV and Cohen one, Cameron Kitchens, two, Akeem Mesador, three, Matt Lee, four, Leonard Taylor, five, Francisco Mawagoa, six, Branson Dean, seven, Tyler Van Dyke, eight, Francis Mawagoa, nine. How about number 10? Inez Cooper. And then we we ended up going into a nice little Inez Cooper. So is that all five O linemen? No, Jalen. No, except Jalen Rivers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they were super impressed with, with, with an people. with Inez Cooper. Yeah, people are high on Branson Dean. So I got I got some, I mean this is where I got some early Branson Dean buzz from originally. You know, just earlier in camp. You know. Yeah, it's just his size makes it hard for me yeah. to go all in on him. Defensive end. What are you looking for? Man, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see Nigelik, man. Like, is he going to take that step? Like, you know, I think he's right. ultra talented. You know, I'm I'm really excited about Nigelik. You know, uh, I think it's I think you know, and we you've talked about it, David. Uh, you know, that year one to year two leap is 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 a really big one. You know, and I yeah. think even just from a strength and conditioning standpoint, and just the build standpoint, I think that just I think that's a really really physical physically developmental year. Um, you know, so I think Nigelik's looking really good. You know, I think we've seen him a lot kind of with that first group. I think there's high expectations for what Nigelik can do here uh, in year two. I'm really excited to kind of see him, you know, rip it and and just kind of if if he can be that guy for Miami, I think it'd be big if he kind of came around. So I'm really excited about Nigelik. He quietly produced for his, you know, snap count relative to his snap count last year. So he he didn't he played like 180 snaps. You know, still had a decent amount of pressures and sacks for that amount of playing time. For me, it's it's Shafari Harvey. I just want to see, like, I know it's boring to say, like, a veteran guy we've seen plenty of. But I just want to see, like, I do think there's talent there. And I still think there's a little more meat on the bone for him to take a step forward. And so I just want to see signs of that here from Jafari in the scrimmage. D-tackle. I'm going to go Leonard Taylor. I'll yeah, take a low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that's fine. I was going to go him, too. 
I just want to see him be a problem for right. the offense, you know, like be that guy. Yeah. I want to see how, how he's moving, how he's, you know, just how he kind of goes about his play to play stuff. And if he can be a guy, if he can be like the guy, like what you're saying, if he can be the guy. Linebacker. I think this one's easy. Newcomer KJ Cloyd. Yeah. You, I want to see you KJ. About? You know, what are you about? Who so, are you? Yeah. Like, like really, who are you? Cause like, like, you know, he got, an, I think he was just now getting an opportunity at Louisville, but before right. that, you know, I, I think look credit to Louisville and really coach Nicholson. Um, you know, I think that was a good linebacker room that he was a part of, you know, Absolutely. I think there's talent, uh, across that room. I mean, a I lot think of he, NFL players. Yeah. There. He's, he played alongside a lot of NFL guys and I think they've always been excited about him, but it was just kind of not his turn yet. I think it was going to be his turn this year. And, you know, he took the the opportunity to come to Miami. Uh, wh- what are you going to do with this? Are you at the point? I mean, talk with coach Nicholson, uh, you know, during that media day. And he says that he feels like he was always, he was always, he always wondered what it would be like for KJ if it would all come together. Cause he's so, you know, he's fast. Right. Uh, you know, I think they talk physical about him like traits a, are there. Yeah, the physical it's traits, about I mean, instincts, right? Can, like, can you be that guy? Can you be, can you kind of take, can you take the job, you know, when the bullets, when all right. this stuff is kind of going. So I'm really, really excited to see KJ Cloyd. Cause yeah, I think me and you both know, David, they did. I think they brought him in with the intentions of him kind of being the starter. So yeah. How quickly does he trigger on the right. plays, right? Yeah. When he sees it, does he, you know, trigger quickly and go get it cornerback? Yeah. I think there could, you could go a lot of ways here. Which yeah. way would you go? Um, I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I kind of want to see Devontae Brown um, just because it seems sure. like he's going to be one of the starters. Like, I feel like that's just the way things are trending. And I just I kind of want to just see how much better he's kind of gotten from the spring to the fall. Let me ask uh, you this. Yeah. Is there a particular matchup you want to watch him closely against? Maybe someone fast, maybe like a Tyler Harrell. Like, what are right. you going to do when there's someone speedy on the field? Like, are are, right. are you juiced up enough to kind of hang with those guys? Or are you going to be someone that's going to have to be kind of rotated on? Like, I, I, I think agree. he has a, I think with Colby Young, you know, I think he's going to be a great matchup for Colby Young. Like, I think if you're a bigger receiver, I think Devontae Brown is, is I think he's going to do a good job with a lot of that type of stuff. But like when there's someone like really, really speedy on the outside, how are you going to respond to that? So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty... I, I, I want to see Devonte Brown. Cause I hope, cause I think him being really like, I'm not even gonna say really good. I think him just being really like good, CD like solid. Yeah. I think if he can like establish himself there, like, I think that would be a, I think that would be good news for yes. like, you know, how the cornerback room is shaping, shaping out. So I think you could go Jadis Richard here too. Sure. There's a lot of I, like intriguing options. I think I'm interested with Damari. Yeah. Uh, Devonte's brother, you know, I just want to get a feel, I guess, during the scrimmage, like, is it possible for him to be a contributor at some point this season? Yeah. Uh, you know, they are, we've seen like they're throwing him into the fire a little bit 100%. here, uh, getting him some first team reps. And, you know, I would assume they'll do the same Saturday. And so we'll see how he performs. If he, if he's up to that task, you know, that'd be a big boost to the depth and talent. Um, yep. You know, I'm not, we'll see. I'm not convinced he could be, he will be a first team corner this year. Uh but even if he's a guy you can rotate in, I think that's that would be big for that group. Um, safety, I just want to see James Williams, you know, yeah, like same. level up and be a playmaker. You know, that's kind of the bottom line with James. I think he has the talent and the ability to do that. Um, it's just time for him to go out and perform. Definitely. I think James Williams is definitely, to me, the, the guy I want to see most at safety. Uh, you know, I think 
another guy we didn't really get to watch in the spring, you know, in this new defense, how are they even just like, again, I don't know how much they're going to show or anything like that, but just how, just how he really responds or just how he just, even if it's the base form of this defense, just how comfortable is he, is he looking and uh, you know, just how he's just really just responding, um, you know, really in a money year for him, you know, he's a draft eligible prospect these days and, you know, how, how are you going to kind of approach, you know, again, just what you're doing. And again, I've heard, you know, positive things about, uh, James Williams. So hopefully we we see, uh, you know, just a strong version of him. So it'll be a fun morning around, I think, 9 to 9.15. They're scheduled to start there, that scrimmage at uh, Hard Rock Stadium, Canes Fest. Um, you know, I think you can go on the website, the official Miami website yeah. and RSVP. Uh, I don't even know if you necessarily have to do that. Um, but if you can make it out, you know, yeah, I, I don't think they're even scanning tickets. So I think you, as long yeah. as you show up, I think you're, you're good. Agreed. I don't know how to, I don't know how the parking works. So if parking's free or if it costs anything, I think I it's free. Had, there you yeah, go. I, I think it's free. Just um, get to Hard Rock Stadium. Get to Hard Rock Stadium, support the team and, uh, you know, get an autograph afterwards. And Hey, if you like what you see, maybe sign up for season tickets somehow. Um, anyways, we'll get out of here on that note. We'll, we'll be all over the scrimmage. Uh, on Saturday, so check out InsideTheU.com that day uh, for all our takes and news and notes. And until next time, take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.